0: Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. We are streaming live on the internet from London. This show is dedicated to God through our Lord Jesus Christ. On tonight's show, we will continue to discuss the subject, the Remnant Church. We will have the final part of our series studying what the Bible teaches about it. Our guest speaker is based in Maryland. In the United States of America. more about our guests after we've had some music. Yeah. Hey. Remnant Church, we will have the final part of this series discussing this subject tonight with Elder Ray DiCarlo of Emmanuel Missionary Institute. EMI was established in 1992 by Elder Ray and his wife, Sister Judy DiCarlo. They have an educational ministry dedicated to the proclamation of the everlasting gospel of Revelation chapter 14 verses 6 to 12. For the past 30 years, EMI has been involved in teaching, evangelism, and literature distribution throughout the world. In our previous radio broadcasts, we studied how the Bible gives the identifying marks of God's remnant church. We studied that these identifying marks are consistent throughout history, proving the truth of God's word. We also discussed that the keeping of the Seventh-day Sabbath is one of the special identifying marks of God's Remnant Church, as this commandment is the sign and seal of God's government. We also studied last week that Revelation chapter 14 and verses 6 to 12 make known the present mission that God gives to His Remnant Church. This mission is to preach the everlasting gospel of Jesus Christ we also discussed briefly what the three angels' messages are that God's remnant church are called to preach. We also looked at why God chooses human beings rather than heavenly angels to preach the gospel. It is because God has chosen those who live the gospel preach the gospel. Only fallen human beings who have had the glory of God restored in their body temples can rightly reveal the efficiency of Christ's love and power to their fellow men. Those who experience how Jesus Christ saves from misery and sin and gives victory over evil, these are best suited to preach the gospel to men. Here God reveals his infinite wisdom to mankind. And so, once again, it's those who live the gospel Who God has called to preach the gospel And so with this theme in mind Let's now call Elder DiCarlo And see if he's available Hello Hello, good evening Elder DiCarlo You are live on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio How are you this evening Elder DiCarlo?
1: I'm fine, thank you John
0: Praise the Lord, glad to hear so Well, Elder Carlo, We are at the final part of our series On the Remnant Church Still looking at its mission But this time At the Elijah message That it is called to give And tonight We'll be discussing these questions together Who was Elijah? How does Elijah's ministry Relate to the Remnant Church? How many times does the Bible teach that Elijah was to come? What specific message does the movement of the third Elijah have to give to the world today? And what do we need to do to respond to it personally? And so with all these questions in mind, should we have a word of prayer before we start our discussion this evening?
1: Our Father in heaven, once again, we thank you for the privilege and opportunity we have to take up this vital topic. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that you will please bless John and I as we take the time to meditate and contemplate the things that are essential for the salvation of the souls that are so important to you. Lord, we pray you will be with us now. Send your holy angels to go before us and Prepare the hearts of those who listen, and, dear Lord, please, baptize us with Your Holy Spirit. And so, once again, we thank You for all that You have done and continue to do for us. So bless us now. We pray, in Jesus' name, Amen.
0: Amen. Order De Carlo, who was Elijah?
1: Well, you know, John, it's very interesting that when you go into First Kings um is the 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 um, introduction of Elijah is in the 17th chapter. Yes. And starts off in verse 1. And it's very fascinating. Prior to this, there's no mention of him at all. Um uh, but what's interesting in 1st Kings uh the first 16 chapters, what you really have uh, is a uh, a series of of uh stories indicating the rise and fall of kings, Um, and and basically what they've done. It's not very detailed in some some accounts. Uh, It's rather abrupt. It's maybe a verse or two, and then it just moves on to the next king and so forth. But when you hit verse 17, uh, there is a shift that takes place in the book. And now we have stories being told. Uh, it's still about a, uh, the history of a king, in this particular case, Ahab, And um, but what we know from the historical account when reading 1 Kings 17 and onward, um, it's a detailed account of not just the reign of Ahab, but of man that God called by the name of Elijah. And it's very interesting, as I say, in the 17th chapter, he just immediately is entered into the story he's abruptly he just you know just comes right on in i mean i mean for example this the the 17th chapter verse one says and elijah the tishbite who is of the inhabitants of gilead uh said unto ahab and then he immediately gives his message so there is an abrupt you know introduction to 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 elijah and um and to the uh, the story of ahab and his reign uh, so Elijah is a messenger sent by God. Uh, his name, by the way, Elijah, means, uh, you know, Jehovah. Um, Jehovah is my God. And, um, and so um, Elijah is now sent with a startling message. Now, for those who have maybe never taken the time to kind of Uh, Read through Kings, particularly this uh, section that we're dealing with here. Um, If you go back in the first couple of chapters of of Kings prior to 17, you know, you can see a lead up uh, to this story. What I mean by that is uh, king after king um, that are introduced. Mm -hmm. And by the way, just as a little footnote, let me just back this up just slightly. I want to remind people that we already have the division of the of the 12 tribes the 10 northern tribes and and the uh, the two southern tribes uh, Judah and Benjamin uh you have uh, remember there's there's Saul there's David there's there's Solomon this is under the uh, uh, the kingdom when it's all united yes. but after Solomon's death Rehoboam takes over He's an unjust young ruler, and, and from that point, Jeroboam um, uh, uh, separates uh, the ten uh, northern tribes uh, from uh, the body of Israel, the twelve tribes. They form their own uh, you know, union, as it were, and uh, that becomes known as Israel, and the southern tribes become known as Judah. And so, from that point forward, uh, uh, Jeho- um, um, when, when you look at the division uh, between the north and the south, yeah. Jeroboam introduces pagan worship. The the he quickly introduces, and really, what it is is a mixture between Judaism, you know, the ancient religions of the Jews. And and paganism, and and from that point forward, you have a nation that continues to perpetuate the paganized philosophy in their lives, and so God, in His mercy, sends prophets along the way to help them to understand the errors of their way, uh, but again, they're rejected at, at every turn, and yeah. f- and so things get so bad by the time you get the First Kings seventeen, uh, Israel is in. Deep apostasy. As a matter of fact, they are in such dire straits that potentially, uh, if this apostasy is not stayed, if if this corruption is not uh, turned from, they will be utterly ruined. Um, And so God now sends a man by the name of Elijah to fill the gap. And in so doing, he has a very, very Arduous task before him, uh, because the the uh, mountain uh, of uh, apostasy, the obstacle that stands before him, is so great, yes. uh, because of the buildup of all so many generations prior to that, uh, it's almost uh, insurmountable. But nonetheless, in the strength of the Lord, Elijah gives a very strong message. It's very pointed, very clear. There's no mistaking the identity of what it is that he's trying to convey. It's not as if King Ahab is sitting there questioning him regarding the nature of what he's just indicated. Elijah has a straight testimony to give, a very pointed message. It's a strong message. It's a message of repentance and rebuke. And so Elijah is a man called of God to the northern tribes of Israel to bring about a reformation, a revival, and a reformation. Yes. And eventually, of course, this will reach a peak in the uh, uh, with the prophets of Baal and uh, on Mount Carmel. It it will it will climax uh, where he has the four hundred prophets of Baal and. And uh, how? And he gives that startling mess, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, then follow Him. But if, but if Baal, then follow Him. In other words, you've got to make up your mind. Now, what's interesting in the in, in this particular account of the story,
2: yes.
1: you find that how Elijah you know, reached the point of um, of uh, of weakness. So, you know, look, let's be honest, friends. We need to l- let our listening audience understand this. You know, Elijah was a man of like passions as we are. He, he, you know, he's not, uh, you know, quote, like, you know, Superman, Uh, uh, you know, as if he's not human. He's human. He's he has all the human frailties of humanity. But what makes him so great is he has surrendered that frail humanity to the hands of an almighty God. And in so doing, God can work mighty miracles when someone is willing to be surrendered to the Lord. And so uh, Elijah, at, at at a moment of weakness, he begins to think that he's the only one left standing faithful uh, to God, and he and he actually say, states that. And God tells him, He says, "Elijah, I have seven thousand who have not bailed the bow need to Baal. There are still seven thousand people in Israel who have not uh, uh, yielded their religious convictions. They're my they they love me, Elijah. They 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 follow me, Elijah." You're not alone. Now, this is a word of both a rebuke, uh, a gentle rebuke, but a rebuke to Elijah and also words of encouragement. Because in this particular uh, story, what's fascinating is God is trying to encourage Elijah along the way that he's not alone. And so what can we extract from that, John? In the midst of the greatest apostasy Mm -hmm. and frustrations of those things that come before us, always remember you're not alone. Amen. others around the world are, are are faithful to God following him loving him serving him rendering unto him uh, obedience and 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 uh, and doing all that they can to accomplish the will of of God and so uh, it, it, when you look at this story it is uh, just um, replete with with lesson after lesson after lesson it's just incredible how many times you can extract the very essential things that are necessary for today yes. and so elijah is a man called of god in the midst of a great apostasy and uh, and he has a very very strong message to convey so you know he, so what we have mm-hmm. here is a, not a man of uh, of science he's not a man of um, uh, a wealth, you know, he's not a man that uh, is, um, he's he's not a man that you would think if you were to, if you were to look upon him at the, at the time when he was called, that he would be anything uh, worthy of being uh, placed in such a, a position. Yes. But again, you see, this is the kind of thing that we need to understand. Uh, uh, we see things from an external. We see things outwardly. And God sees inwardly; He sees the heart, and He saw a man here who loved Him, and and uh, and uh, would be used by God uh, if the Lord ever called him to a a, a serious uh, position to fill. And that's exactly what He did. So, First Kings chapter seventeen is really the opener, and that's where you should begin with this story.
0: Yes, Amen to that. Well, now. How does Elijah's ministry relate to the remnant church?
1: Again, all right. Now, this is a fascinating um, pickup when you look at the parallel and then you cross-reference. What we need to do is go to Malachi. And we're going to look here now, Malachi, and we want to understand the fourth chapter, Malachi. Malachi, get my chapter here malachi chapter 4 malachi 4 5 now the holy scripture says behold i will send you elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the lord now let's just stop here before i get in regarding the message yes uh, let, let me just look at this because if you if you'll notice how that is conveyed he tells you the time frame yes. when elijah will come he's telling you this uh, before the second coming of jesus and meaning just before he comes you can expect elijah to come yes now you keep your finger there and go over to malachi chapter three and in malachi chapter three one it says this behold i will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. This is the Lord speaking. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, what's interesting here, Malachi 3.1 and Malachi 4.5, though there is a correlation because he's talking about Elijah in both cases. Yes. But this is not the Elijah of 1 Kings 17. So, in chapter 3, 1, we have Elijah coming again in a a type. He says he would come before me, before Christ comes the first time. Right. So, this is the first coming of Christ. So, who would go before Christ and prepare the way for for Jesus, uh, uh, the king? And, of course, that would be John the Baptist. So, John's a type of Elijah. So by the time you get down to chapter four and you look at verse five, this cannot be the same Elijah of chapter three, one, because look at the time frame. It says, again, behold, I will send uh, you Elijah, the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So this is not the second coming or excuse me, the first coming of Christ. This is the second coming of Christ. And so we now have a. Fixed period of time when when this Elijah will come. Now, want to make something very clear here to our listening audience. In chapter three, one, when he says Elijah would come, in this particular case, John the Baptist is a type of Elijah, and so therefore you can expect a, a, a the, in regard to the fulfillment a particular person coming to fulfill the the prerequisites that God has given uh, here in prophecy. But not so in Malachi 4-5. There is no one person to fulfill this mission. Instead, this is Elijah the prophet. In, in, not in person, but in, in representation as a movement. In other words, a movement would come. A movement would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. So you look with me here now. And you go over to Revelation, uh, and you can do this in both cases. They can go over, for example, in Revelation chapter 12, and you can look at verse 17. Um, it says, The dragon was wroth with the woman, went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Now, once again, we looked very carefully at this before. Remember, keeping the commandments isn't doesn't mean just uh, they're in possession of it, but it also means... They are it defending the faith. Just as Elijah defended the faith in front of Ahab, so the people of God at the end of time, the remnant church, will defend God's faith before yes. the kings of the world. Yes. And then you can go over to Revelation 14, verse 12. Once again, talking about God's remnant. Here are the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus. So there is a direct correlation. Yes. We see between the first Elijah, the second Elijah and the third Elijah. and the third Elijah is, is a movement of destiny, a yes. prophetic movement that God would call in the spirit and power of Elijah. And just as Elijah, just as Elijah prepared the way, for, the, uh, for Ahab, as he was coming back, the rain was about to come. You remember the small cloud? It, it was was appearing because—let me back the story up for our listening audience. If you go back to 1 Kings 17, Elijah told Ahab it would not rain for three and a half years. So there was a great drought. Yeah. Now, that symbolically represents spiritual drought. Rain in the, in the Bible represents the outpouring of the Spirit. And of course, the Holy Spirit represents in terms of the uh, water blessings of the Lord, and so there would not be any blessings. There would not be any 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 uh, uh, rich uh, uh, harvesting of of uh, of not only the, the things of this world, because without rain you can't harvest crops, but the but more importantly, the spiritual blessings of the Lord. And so He pronounces a a, a judgment in in the uh, three and a half years no rain. At the end of the three and a half years, what happens, uh, there's a dark cloud that appears in the sky. And Elijah knows rain's about to come. And so this is after the the priests are defeated uh, on Mount Carmel. And and Elijah runs before the king and prepares the way for the king to come back uh, to the city. And uh, and before you know the the deluge of rain, yes. and so this is a type. This is a type. John the Baptist was a forerunner to the King of Kings in the fir- when he came the first time. And so the remnant church will go before the King of Kings at his second coming uh, and prepare the way. And in all three cases, you find a spiritual drought, yes, so spiritual darkness was encompassing the world. And so this is what you have in the remnant church. Just before Jesus comes, there will be an apostate um, religious movement under Jezebel. Uh, That's what she symbolizes. Ahab represents the corruption of of government and the apostasy of government. And so you have a corruption of church and state. And then Mm -hmm. what do you have? You then have a drought, spiritual drought and and so god's going to raise up a movement in the spirit and power of elijah they will go before the world and 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 do all that they can to prepare them for the coming of the, of the lord jesus christ and so this is the parallel this is what you see in first uh, elijah the second and third and i know now i I just want to talk to our listening audience i know this is a lot and i know that we're we're kind of really um kind of, uh, you know, delving into a lot of things here. But uh, in a moment, I know in our next question that you were talking about, I'm going to give some actual verses on this, a little more detail.
0: Yes. And and listeners, as Elder Ricardo said, it seems to be a lot, but stick to the principles that the Bible teaches. Mm. And um, just before Elder Ricardo <clears throat> carries on, again, I'll reiterate, <clears throat> And this is from 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 17 to 18. And it says here, And it came to pass, when Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? And he answered, This is Elijah, I have not troubled Israel, but thou and thy father's house. Now look how they troubled Israel, in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. So the principle is disobedience to God's commandments and following um, basically um, pagan gods, heathen gods. So forsaking the God of heaven for um, idolatry. And, so, and that's the continual message right the way through, basically um, disobedience to God and rebellion against his, his government. <coughs> For the service of Satan, basically, I'm just trying mm-hmm. to break it down to keep it simple, because so, there's only other two gods that you can worship: either the true God or the false God, basically. Mm-hmm. the true God being Jesus Christ our Lord and the Godhead, who he, he, he's, he's come, who he came and who He represents, or it's Satan, the creature, and all the false even gods who he set up as a counterfeit. and so once you stick to the fundamental principles of this and keep it simple then it all comes together um and the picture is clear obedience disobedience the true god the false god and each time that elijah's come in 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 history either literally or or spiritually i um as a representative then it's the same principle so i just thought to share that to try and simplify things as well for individuals so anyway carrying on and we've we've initially looked at this but again we've introduced the concept how many times does the bible teach that elijah was to come
1: well you know let me just say this just to dovetail back just slightly what you just indicated because what you brought out john is something i really hope our listening audience have, um can really appreciate look in the final analysis there's only two uh uh, uh god's in this world there's one yes. with the capital g and the one with a little G and Jesus is the capital G Amen. and Satan is the little G. And what I mean by that is look friends, there's only two, uh, gods in this world that are vying for your loyalty, love and obedience. Yes, And, uh, and that's Jesus Christ and Satan. It's the great controversy. It truly is the great controversy, and we looked at this actually just slightly uh, a couple of w- weeks ago yeah. regarding the war in heaven and the great conflict that uh, that began there. All that we are seeing throughout the Bible is this great struggle of loyalty: whom will you obey? Yeah. From Genesis to Revelation, is the story of redemption and the story of of, of uh, Christ fighting and his holy angels for the salvation of man. Yeah. And you see Satan doing all that he can through earthly powers to thwart the plan of salvation. And he is determined to do everything he can to ensure that you never, never find Jesus Christ and uh, he will resort to whatever means necessary. And such as the one that John just brought out in first Kings 18, here we have the audacity of Ahab to accuse Elijah of being the one that causes all the trouble. And Elijah, thank God, spoke up the truth in no uncertain terms, laid the axe to the root and said, no, Ahab, I'm not the one that's causing the problem. You are. Yeah. And what's interesting, he then tells them exactly what he he has done that has caused all the problem. You have forsaken the Ten, the Ten Commandments. You have forsaken God. You have turned your back upon the Lord. It's not me. And uh, and so and so he he um, he he really gives a very straight message, and this is the exact same message you find in the book of Revelation. Yes. And matter of fact, you can find it throughout the Bible. It's always between Christ and Satan, Christ and Satan. And um, and so what you find here in just this one little story is once again uh A a um. I a type I a type of what is to be yeah. at the end of time. God's people are going to be blamed for all the troubles when they're not to the blame at all. They're they're not they're not the one causing the problems. They're the ones actually trying to prevent the problems from coming. They're the ones trying to stop everyone from committing you know spiritual suicide. Yeah. And uh, and yet yet the guilty blame the innocent. Because um they don't want to face up to the responsibility of their own choices, and the wicked have always blamed the innocent. I mean, you can see that from the very beginning with with um, um, uh, Cain and Abel yes. uh, the, you know so so from the beginning when Cain killed Abel, it has always been the wicked blaming the righteous. You're the reason. You're the problem. You've caused all this. This would never have happened had you just remained quiet and so forth. And so when you look at this story, and again, I recommend our readers, please go back and read 1 Kings 17, 18. As a matter of fact, when you look at the three Elijahs, and I just want to bring this out. In 1 Kings 17 all the way to 2 Kings 13, and the reason I bring this up, let me explain to our listening audience because when you look at elijah elijah for a period of time stood alone but god brought him a companion later in life his name was elisha and elisha was elijah's companion and together for a period of time they worked together in bringing about a continuation of the reforms necessary to preserve righteousness and truth Mm -hmm. and to combat the errors of the day and uh, so they set up the schools of the prophet and, uh, prophets and so forth. Now, Elijah symbolically represents the first phase and then Elisha, the second phase of a great reform- reformation movement. Yes. And both of them preach revival and reformation because you can't have a reformation without a revival. And a revival means nothing unless there's a reformation. Uh, In other words, it's not enough to be revived in the heart. You must change. You must conform to the truths that you have uh, heard regarding uh, the things that God longs for you to do. So revival and reformation go hand in hand, just as Elijah and Elisha. And so Elijah is the one who prepared the way. Elisha finishes up the work. So I recommend that our listening audience go from 1 Kings 17 to 2 Kings 13, and you'll read those two stories there, those two gentlemen, and and everything that goes along with that, because it's a vital connection. Now, primarily, obviously, we're looking at Elijah today. But again, I just had to introduce Elisha because I think it's critical to a deeper understanding and a further unfolding of those things that God would have us do in these last days. And as I mentioned to you uh, a little earlier, when you look now, there's the first Elijah, and then the second Elijah, of course, is John the Baptist. And uh, you, uh, we looked at Malachi three one, and then, of course, if you look at the following verses, Matthew chapter three verses one to twelve, yeah. Mark chapter one verses one to eight, and then Luke chapter three one to eighteen. Now, obviously, we're not going to read all three sections. I mean, they're rather lengthy, but I would recommend that our listening audience go back and read them carefully, because these passages clearly lay out the role and function of John the Baptist and how he would come in the spirit and power of Elijah. Yes, and and so uh, so this is very important. Now, one of the things also we have to remember in terms of in terms of. Um, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 mission of John the Baptist is, is, is again, he's a forerunner. Remember he's a voice crying in the wilderness and he says, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. As a matter of fact, let's, let's quickly, just, just quickly, let's go over to Matthew real quick. I don't nice. want to uh, uh, delay too much, but let's go quickly over to Matthew chapter three. And I want to, our listening audience, just to kind of pick up some understanding um, regarding these things and, and looking here first, uh, excuse me, uh, Matthew chapter three. And he says this in verse one, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He says, now watch this for this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah as saying a voice of one cried in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his path straight. And so then it talks about John further on uh, calling the people to baptism and repentance. So you see here a fulfillment of Bible prophecies. By the way, this prophecy of Isaiah is Isaiah chapter 40. And uh, but here you see a very pointed message. Again, John the Baptist is introduced. He comes and he preaches a message of repentance, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand and you need to prepare your way for it. And so, again, the work is described, the function, the purpose of, of, of John the Baptist. So throughout these passages that I've just indicated, you see the second Elijah. And then the third one, and which I talked about in Malachi 4, verses yes. 5 and 6. And let's go back now. I didn't read verse 6, but so let's quickly go back to Malachi chapter 4. And let's look at this now, Malachi 4 5 and 6. It says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. So I'm not going to elaborate too much on that uh, because I, I don't want to spill into our, our next me- question. Uh, but I will just say this this I will say that this is a very important message.
2: Yes.
1: And the essence of this message. Um, really is about reconciliation. First and foremost, you need to reconcile with God Almighty. Um, And the second is reconcile with your fellow man. And so, so we see the three Elijahs, and they have each a distinct, specific role. And if you take the time to parallel the story of first Elijah with the second, and then the third, you'll find a very fascinating biblical story that becomes prophetic in nature not just in the second application but in the third as well and so when you look at that third one that really comes down to you and me and so by the grace of god almighty we too may become partakers of the spirit and power of elijah and so we can be a part of that elijah movement
0: amen amen and so again just to reiterate listeners the third time that Elijah comes is through the Remnant church, which prepares the way for the second coming of its king Jesus. Thus, the third Elijah is a movement, not a person. Just as the two previous Elijahs, the remnant church is empowered by God to give a message. but this time, as we'll see, um, is to cry aloud and spare not, and it's to call God's people to repentance, for them to reform their lives to be ready for the second coming of their King, Jesus Christ the Lord. So now, Elder DiCarlo, we're getting into specifics now. What specific message does the movement of the third Elijah have to give to the world today?
1: Well, let's stay right here where we're at Malachi 4, 5, and 6 uh and let me now really dovetail from this point into the into uh some of the other messages yes when you look at this when you look at this message as i said this is a message of reconciliation and uh and it is imperative that we reconcile with god first and foremost and then in so doing we can then better enable to bring about a reconciliation with others along the way yes Uh, In this case, if you'll notice, he talks about fathers with the children and the children with the fathers. So what does this tell us? Just before the second coming of Jesus, it tells us that the family unit will be in disarray. Amen. That there will be families almost disintegrating before our very eyes. And that one of the things that Elijah will do before he returns it's to preach a message of reconciliation of family units. Yes. And you see, Satan in the Garden of Eden knew that if he could separate Adam from, and Eve, he could get one of them, primarily Eve. And so that's exactly what he did. He divided the family unit. Yes. And then, uh, and then he got her to uh, sin, and then he used her to get Adam to sin. And uh, from that point forward, of course, the human race was plunged into utter ruin or what appeared to be, at least at that point, because thank God, Jesus, God sent Jesus into this world to reconcile the world unto to to the father. But uh, but uh, the point being is obviously the world was plunged into utter darkness. And so the family unit has always been under attack, always. As the family unit goes, so a nation goes. When you destroy the family unit, you can destroy a nation. You don't have to send in armies to destroy a nation. All you have to do is cause the family unit to disintegrate and uh, bring about a a, a, uh, a, a moral degeneracy uh, to the masses, and they'll simply self-destruct. Yes. And, uh, and that's exactly what we see today. I don't care what country you're in, United States, Great Britain, it doesn't, France, it doesn't matter. Look, it doesn't matter what country. Destroy the family unit, you'll destroy the country. And then yes. America, and I'll speak only on behalf of America, so I'm an American. But I'll tell you this, America is disintegrating uh, before our very eyes. And, uh, and I can tell you this, say whatever you want. But uh, um, if if God determined time should last for, you know, a little longer, however he wishes, obviously it's his will. Um, wherever America goes, the world goes. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that's always good. I'm just trying to explain the history of how things are. Um, and America has plunged into uh, utter corruption, morally speaking, and, and in every other way, frankly, in my opinion. And uh, we see this impacted around the world. Um, and so, um, you know, armies cannot invade America and succeed uh, unless, unless they can become like a Trojan horse yes, right. and disguise themselves from within and then bring about the utter ruin of the country. And uh, so Elijah's message is critical there needs to be a restoring of the family unit a father a biological man that's a father Amen. and a biological woman that's a mother Amen. Uh, and they need to reconcile and bring about a unified effort to save their families um, today we are at a precipice uh, where the family unit is about to be obliterated And and I mean, I thought things were bad before, but when you get to the point where now uh, you have so-called scientific journals and medical journals uh, reframing uh, what a biological man is or what a biological woman is, um, and the family unit goes along with that, I can tell you, dear friends, you know, you know, we are in trouble. Uh, and by the way, just as a little footnote on this, uh, there is no science, biological, you know, the, the biology uh, proving uh, that a man could become a woman and a woman could become a man biologically. Now, you may think that's what you are. You may think that's what you are, but uh, but that doesn't make you what you are. Um, and so uh, you know, look, I'm not here to argue of, you know, every minutia of the case, but I will tell you this. God knew long before, long before thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago, God knew what was going to be at the end of time. And he knew the family unit would be disintegrated. Yes. And so Elijah has a great responsibility of calling the people to restore the family unit. So that's one of the key messages there. That is a very, very, very important message that needs to be preached to the world. Another one we just read out of Matthew chapter w- uh, 3. Yes. Remember, we just read out of Matthew 3. Repent. Repent a message of repentance, a message of crying in the wilderness, make his paths straight. And so, in other words, we need to get our lives together. You know, a father cannot reconcile the mother and the mother can't reconcile the father and the parents can't reconcile the children until each one of them reconcile themselves with God. Amen. So they must work on their own hearts. And this is a very important message by by John the Baptist. Uh, he's talking about heart conversion. Heart, yes. you got to change. You've got to change your the way you're you're living your life, and you got to repent of your sins. This is another another very very critical matter of fact. Let me see Mark here. Let's go over to Mark, and let's see what how Mark describes the same situation here. Mark chapter one. And let's look here, Mark chapter 1, and we're looking now here at verse, um, let me see where I want to really, yeah, um, this is a pickup on, Mar- on Matthew 3, Yes. Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 1 to 4. Um, it talks about how that, behold, I send my, my messenger before your face. Uh, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. And then he says, and John did baptize in the wilderness, preaching to preach the baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. So, again, repentance, that concept of reconciliation. And again, in Luke chapter 3, verses 2 to 6, he repeats that same concept. However, though, now I want to go back into the Old Testament to Isaiah yes. chapter 58. Now Isaiah 58 is one of the chapters that are as that is completely misunderstood by many in the church today, uh, because the message is a direct message that is to be preached by the third Elijah, and this message is a message of of repentance and reconciliation. Get your life right with God Almighty. Put away your sins. Yes. Stop acting in a way that is inappropriate. He goes on, he opens up, he says, this is chapter one of, I've uh, excuse me, verse one of chapter 58, cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Now, from this point forward, he goes on to show them how that they are not rendering unto him a a proper form of worship, Yes, um, that they're not doing what it is that he required of them. And then he goes on to show them what kind of a fast he has chosen. And so what's interesting, if you look very carefully in this, he goes on to describe how that they would be called. And let me read it to you here in verse uh, uh, 12. He says, they shall be, uh, they that shall be of thee shall build the old ways places. Thou shalt raise up the foundation of many generations. Thou shalt be called the repair of the breach, the restore of paths to dwell in. And then verse 13 and uh, and uh, fourteen, he taught. Talk, he talks about the Sabbath, yes. and that how that when when uh, when they bring about a reconciliation and a true true repentance and and a true fast that God has chosen, then God will bless them, and 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 richly uh, help them along the way. So the third Elijah is known as repairs of the breach, restore yeah. past to dwell in. For many generations, the truths of God's word has been trampled under dust by the traditions of men. That's Matthew chapter 15, verse 9. And so you find that many times we find, such as the seventh-day Sabbath, completely uh, uh, negated by the Christian world, and, and uh, when God has never uh, in any way abridged the fourth commandment, uh, and, and so we see that the remnant church will be calling God's people to keep the seventh-day Sabbath yeah. uh, because it's a message of reconciliation. It's a message of repentance. It's a message of coming back to the old paths and the standards by which uh, the prophets of old uh, so faithfully and, and courageously stood and even in many cases gave their lives in behalf of. And so there is the great message of, 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 of the restoration and repentance and confession and forsaking. So this you find in the Elijah message. And again, and just to kind of dovetail uh, quickly, I know that we're, we've got, keep our time here, but I want to close with this one, at least in regard to the message. Now there's, by the way, again, I just want to share with our listening audience, look, I know I'm giving you a lot of references and a lot of passages and and things uh, that are are conveying the message here, Um, but the whole purpose of our our um, radio program is to is to enlighten you, to challenge you, to 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 uh, probe uh, the the conscience, whereby you may be um, excited to the point of investigating. And so this is what we're trying to do. We want to challenge you. We want to encourage you uh, along the way. But Matthew, uh, excuse me, Revelation chapter 3. And I want you to look here with me at the 14th verse, the Laodicean message, Revelation 3, 14. He says, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, meaning the one who began creation, the first and the beginning of creation, meaning Jesus Christ, not the not that, that he was the first to be created, but he's preeminent in creation, meaning he's yes. the one who created all things. Yes. Um, but he says, I know thy works, and thou art neither cold nor hot. I would prefer that you were cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I'm enriched, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. knowest not. That thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment, that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness does not appear, and anoint your eyes with salve, that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Yes. Behold, I stand at the door, knock. If any man hear my voice, But open the door, I will come into him, and I will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame, and am set down on my Father in his throne. And then he that hath an ear, let him Hear what the Spirit said to the churches. So here we have the uh, uh, the Laodicean message. This is another critical message that, uh, that the uh, uh, movement at the end of time, the remnant church, the, yes. the Elijah movement, will have to preach to the church.
2: Yes. It's
1: a strong message. It's a Laodicean message. The Laodicea is a church that doesn't know their true condition. Yes. And so we have a moral responsibility to tell the, not only the world, but the church. And I don't mean just our church, I mean the churches of the world, that they are in a dreadful spiritual condition, and we need to waken them up. So I would encourage our listeners to study those passages, and I think that they can't possibly go wrong once they start investigating, because this is really one of the most fascinating prophecies and, and the study of typology you'll find anywhere in the Bible.
0: Yes, most certainly. Now, Elder Ricardo, as we round off for this evening and this series, um the reason that I had introduced this last question was to for us to break things down even simpler as we come to the end and, and make things plainer because you and our, you and I know that we've been called to declare the truth of God Because um, And so Asking what do we need to do To respond to it personally I just Believe it, it would be good to make things Even plainer to the people What they need to do Absol- absolutely. So I I'll let you carry on sir
1: Well here, here, here's the thing I would say uh, You know when you look at the Message of Elijah and by the way, um, I wanted to reiterate something uh, on this, and this really dovetails right into the message of what, you know, yes. what, what should we do personally? When you look at the three angels message of Revelation 14, 6 through 12, which is a continuation of the Elijah message, but this, but this is an extension of, of something more to the world at large in the three uh, distinctive messages that are yes. given here. So I want to add that into the section of the message of Elijah. But when you look at that and then you go over to Revelation 18, and this is the thing here. Then we look at Revelation. This is another aspect of the message, but it's going to dovetail. What do we do personally? And I want to show you this. Um, And and I'm not going to read everything, but I just want to kind of wrap it up around here. He says this. He talks about Babylon has fallen, has fallen, verse 2. It's become the habitation of devils, the hold of every foul spirit and cage of every unclean and hateful bird. So she is the place of everything that's wicked, vile, and corrupt. Uh, it says the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of the fornication, which is spiritual drunkenness. They're deluded, you know, just like someone who's under an al- alcoholic stupor. Yes. Uh, they, they can't make sense of what's going on around them. They can only perceive to a certain extent, but they can never really uh, balance out their thinking. And so we see here that mankind has lost their senses. Yeah. They can no longer, you know, uh, rationally work through these things, sadly to say. The kings of the earth, the political leaders of the world have committed fornication with her. They're, they're just as corrupt, they're just as morally bankrupt. The merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. So we find that now the all economic power brokers of the world, the IMF, uh, the, the World Bank, uh, Wall Street, uh, um, the stock exchange globally around the world, the, the, the various power structures uh, that, that uh, control merchandise and so forth. All of these power are, our powers are involved with her. They, too, are corrupt morally, yes. spiritually. They are just bankrupt. They have no ethics. And so it then says, I heard a voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, that you receive not of her plagues. Because the time has come, he says, for her sins have reached unto heaven. And God hath remembered her iniquities. That's it. Judgment day is coming now. Yes. And so I think in the light of this, when you look at the Elijah message, that there has to be some accountability. You've got to be able to look at yourself as you really are, not as you think you are. Paul says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. Yes. There needs to be an examination. You have to have a reflection, a meditation of a time when you're quietly looking upon your life. Not that you're trying to, to uh, necessarily, you know, it's not a, a pity party. You don't want to, you know, uh, 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 beat yourself up unnecessarily. However, though, however, you do need to see things as they are. Yes. You need to wake up to the reality. First and foremost, what is my life like In relation to Jesus Christ Not in relation to you Not in relation to the church Not in relation to my wife or my husband Or my friend or anyone else What is my relationship like My character like In relation to Jesus Christ What is it like And uh, I can't help but think That there must be There must be some improvement Surely you're not going to suggest to me That you've arrived and so I think that there is a lack of honesty yes. among many in the church to see who they really are, that they're not so nice, or they're not so kind, they're not so thoughtful, they're not so compassionate, that they're not so friendly, that they're not so uh, faithful to God, that they don't truly always uh, render the um, obedience that God requires. Yes. And so there needs to be a heartfelt reflection. You know, I talked a little bit earlier about a revival, and we desperately need a revival in the Church of Jesus Christ today. There are many claiming to be Christians, and I'm sorry to say, if, if I understand the Bible correctly, and if my almost nearly 40 years of experience in doing the Lord's work has taught me anything, it has taught me that we see a great uh a, a famine i mean i a dearth I, there is a famine spiritual famine in the churches most of the time sadly to say you go into the churches uh you don't hear revival sermons anymore no it's rare that a minister will stand up and preach on the issue of repentance or what sin is or or deal with the issues of the day you know It may well be that you might even hear truth, but I can tell you this, it is extremely rare you shall ever hear present truth. And so I think that there is a great responsibility. First and foremost, we need to get our lives right with God. We need to make the changes that are necessary to bring about a a revival in our lives um and so there needs to be a a, uh, a, a an, ava- an investigation uh, and i think there needs to be uh, i say an honest evaluation you know the one thing about human nature is that there is uh, an unwillingness to see things as they really are yes. see, Le- to see it doesn't know that they're lost and the reason being is because they don't want to admit that they're lost they don't want to acknowledge the fact that they're naked and poor, blind, and that they're and they're in, and that they're in a wretched, miserable condition. They don't want to admit that. They prefer to flatter themselves and think that they're rich and increased with goods, and that they really don't lack anything at all. Yes. Um, so th- this uh, this is why this is why we go back to that message, and I I fear that too many of the ministers are are complacent and uh, unwilling to uh, tell the truth. Now, again, I don't know the reasons why. I do know this, both in Jeremiah and Ezekiel and other places of the Bible, God will in the last days raise up shepherds for his people. He will raise up the true shepherds who will preach the truth and and, and minister to the flock. And uh, we have a moral responsibility to tell the people what is right. And so I think that if you really want to do some real heart-soul-searching, I'm going to recommend to our listeners a book, and it's called Steps to Christ. And I'm going to tell you something right now. You go through that book, chapter by chapter, carefully meditating upon the instructions given there in that little book. It's not a big book. I can tell you, it's not a big book at all, but it's powerful. It is big in knowledge. It's big in its instructions. It's big in its truth but uh that little book uh, and and uh, and when you get past that when you get done that little one i'll recommend another one to you it's called thoughts to the mount of blessing yes what a delightful companion book because it picks up the story uh really where where steps of christ leaves off and it talks about really what it means to be a christian in the fullest sense Of understanding what it is that you know God requires, Um, both of those books. uh, um, I'll let John kind of elaborate a little bit more later on. But nonetheless, the friends, there there needs to be a personal surrender to God. You got to be honest with yourself. You've got to open up and realize you're not, uh, in in many ways, you're not who you think you are. Um, and and so this is the real heartfelt message of Elijah it's to get people to wake up and to realize they need Jesus Christ
0: yes amen to that And Elder de Carlo before we have a um, break for some music I'd just like to leave some thoughts for a few minutes for the members and I'm going to read from the, the, from the review and herald January mm. the 1st 1895 it says here, still on the same subject there are some who manifest great affection for their relatives, for their friends and favourites, who yet fail to be kind and considerate to those who need tender sympathy, who need kindness and love. With earnest hearts, as Elder DeCardo was saying, we should search our hearts. Let us inquire who is my neighbour? Our neighbors are not merely our associates and special friends. They are not simply those who belong to our church or who think as we do. Our neighbors are the whole human family. We are to do good to all men and especially to those who are of the household of faith. We are to give to the world an exhibition of what it means to carry out the law of God. So, listeners, This is all what the Elijah message is all about, is calling us to repentance, to carry out the law of God. So we'll have a break for some music. Now we'll come back with some closing thoughts.
3: Some want the crown, but they won't bear their cross, because it takes everything. To serve the Lord Some want bright mansions But they won't pay the cost Cause it takes everything To serve the Lord It takes your hands and your head And your heart, yes it takes your all. It takes everything to serve the Lord. It takes your time and your means and your prayers lest you fall. It takes everything to serve the Lord. Somewhere his name, while they still live in shame, but it takes everything to serve the Lord. They want to be seen, but they don't want to be clean, but it takes everything to serve the Lord. It takes your hands and your hands it takes your all, it takes full surrender to serve the Lord. It takes your time and your means and your prayers lest you fall. It takes everything, everything, child, to serve the
0: Our listeners have come to the end of our discussion on the Remnant Church, of this four-part series, and I do pray that each and every part has been a blessing to you and has helped you to understand what it means to have a closer walk with Jesus. So I ordered I'd like to ask you for some closing thoughts as we round up the series this evening.
1: Well, the last couple of weeks we've looked at the Remnant Church, its role, its function, its purpose, its its um, origin. We looked also at the message, and uh, obviously today we looked at a very unique uh, aspect to the Remnant Church, known as the Elijah message and its impact on this world and the church at large. I think it's a it's imperative that we as God's people, seriously contemplate those uh, prophecies and passages dealing with Elijah, and once again ask ourselves: Am I um, am I willing and ready to do all that God requires of me? And uh, again, this takes soul searching and an honesty on on the part of the individual um to to take those steps that are necessary to bring about a change now god is willing to do his part no question about that but if there's an unwilling participant uh, he's not going to force it upon you and so i want to encourage each and every one don't become um you know consumed uh by the things of this world or your own interests uh, when salvation is, uh, uh, you know, fleeting away in some sense in this world because so many have cast it aside or are in the process of doing so. So I want to uh, challenge each and every one to remember that God is good. He is kind and merciful. That we must also remember, there's a limit to his mercy, and I pray to God that not one of us shall ever squander those opportunities that the Lord presents before us. And so may God bless you in the decisions that you make, and I pray that you, as long as uh, as uh, time shall last, that you will do your part in helping others to come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So may God bless you, and thank you once again for this lovely uh, opportunity to share with you.
0: Amen. Let's have a closing word of prayer now, how did it call now?
1: Our Father in heaven, once again, we thank you. You've been very kind to us and merciful. You've been such a loving friend, a loving God. We thank you, Father, for sending your son into this world to bring about a reconciliation and the opportunity now comes before each and every one of us to accept the gift that you offer to us freely. And so we come to you, dear Lord, asking that you'll come and take our hearts, pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, and seal the decision that we've made here today to follow you, to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And I pray, dear Lord, that you'll please keep watch over uh, not only us, but our families as well. You know the burdens and cares that we have in our hearts. And I pray, dear Lord, that you'll help us each day to walk with you and to surrender all. So bless us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen. Elder Ricardo, thank you once again for joining us on Voice in the Wilderness Internet Radio. Listeners, if you have any questions or if you would like more information, please send an email to inquiries at wildernesspublications.org or you can send a text message to 07962 388 445 79 If you live in the United Kingdom, please contact us with your name and address, and we will send you a free tract called The Two Families." If you have the Android app for Voice of the Wilderness Internet Radio, go to the e section and find the title Bible Readings for the Home. At chapter 118, you'll find the subject, The Two Families. This will give you more information about today's topic. Once again, we also recommend the books, Steps to Christ and Thoughts on the Mount of Blessing. These are two other excellent sources and references for you to study, which will help you to draw closer to Jesus on your Christian walk. You can also download to and, down and listen to our Radio Show podcasts, at https forward slash forward slash voice dash in dash z dash dot page dot io forward slash. If you would like to support voice in the wilderness internet radio, then please send your donations through our website at VITWradio.org. Click on the page called About Us. You can donate to us there. On next week's show We'll discuss the subject, how to study the Bible. Well, that's it for tonight's show. Until next week, good night and God bless. Voice in the wilderness, internet radio. Enlightening the world every week. It's not just knowing about the doctrine in the Bible. That is not what we stand for here. Streaming powerful, biblically-based messages. down the this congregation may never be gathered together again as we see it. Voice in the Wilderness, Internet Radio, enlightening the world every week.